It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Never better. Never better. It's a That's great week. fan fantastic You know, usually when I say that, I mean my life's a mess. Things are, you know, falling know. apart. The center yep. cannot hold. It's just a T.S. Eliot poem just mm-hmm. going off. Some You're Yates proof in there. Um but today, I'm actually pretty excited. You wow. know, we're only a, a, about a week away from UCLA football season. We're getting some actual basketball action that's kind of fun to monitor. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, if you're a UCLA fan, this is really, these are fun times. A football team should be pretty good. If they're not, it's going to be pretty much a huge disappointment and way below expectation. Okay, can, can I, let's lead off. I'm th- scrapping the plan because we got to lead off with this. Okay. I'm I'm now two parts through my season preview. Uh oh. Whenever you start doing this, I get more familiar uh, with it. You start uh, liking them more. I'm I'm homering at a at a oh. high level right now. Do you need to be left alone? I mean, maybe. I mean, I need to be left alone with my thoughts. Uh, Are you, you looking know, at I, pictures I need to of close Carson my Steel? eyes and think of England? <laughs> yeah. Don't look at pictures of Carson Steele. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but no, I mean, I, I'm going through the team and in all seriousness, it doesn't take it, you know, in a lot of years, it takes a lot of stretching to figure out how a particular team could outperform expectations. This one doesn't take as much. Like there's obviously a, some question marks. Who's going to play quarterback? Uh, you know, what's going to go on in the defensive backfield? Uh, what's going to go on the defense generally? But they check a lot of the projectables. Like, the defense returns, uh, I think, the 13th best production in the country. The 13th most production, I should say. That's usually a great indicator of uh, unit improving. Um, The offense under Chip Kelly, pretty much no matter what, has been a top 20 unit for the last three years. There's little reason to expect it to drop off considerably. I mean... It doesn't actually take that much stretching, especially when you combine it with the schedule. To me, it's really yeah. No, I I, I agree. It's is the defense going to be any good? And you're you're kind of giving us some data to support that. And then it's really UCLA's offensive line. Yeah, because they can create some holes, uh, some uh, pass protection. The offense will be fine. But you know, once again, we're you know we're going to fantasize about what it's like. If a UCLA team under Chip Kelly <laughs> actually has a decent defense. Yeah. That's what it's really all about. Um, yeah. I mean, and I know you guys, when you go to sleep and you turn out your light, you're fantasizing about watching UCLA with a good defense. It's it's what I think about actually during my waking dreams as well. <laughs> so uh, I know, Dave, I know, I know you're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And... And I mean, I think we're pretty objective overall. I think we do a good job. I think we do a good balanced job, but it's hard sometimes not. I'm not saying that you're getting carried away. Me? Yeah. When have I ever gotten carried away? Well, let's just say this too. I mean, just I'm, I'm doing the season preview tomorrow. The prediction. The prediction, sorry. 
Already read, nobody reads the first two parts, so we got to at least call it all the same thing. I've read every word. When did those come out? <laughs> um, how many words were each of those? Uh, 4, the, first, the, the first part, because I got to go ham on that one, was uh, well over 3,000. The second part is a little slimmer. That was wow. only, I don't know, 2,000. Slimming down a little there. Yeah, yeah. And then the prediction will be, I mean, combined, what we're giving you, the people, is like 10,000 words previewing this. That's thing. insane. It's stupid. I'm probably a little optimistic in my preview. And I, I mean, uh, you start looking at that, you start looking at that schedule yeah it's a pretty easy schedule except for three games really yeah the, the, the toughest game in my opinion besides those three games which i'm talking about are utah oregon state and usc is at arizona it has to be right they yeah. lost arizona <laughs> they lost arizona if you now were a year removed that loss to arizona Oof. was the biggest loss of the chip kelly era it's one of the biggest losses um I mean, I don't mean to like hit it too hard. It's one of the biggest losses in modern UCLA history. Like, if they win that game, what's the situation going into USC? Like, what's their mentality exactly. going into USC? Yeah. It's a whole different deal. Whole different deal. They win ten games. Easy they're, they're ten games. Ten game magical number. Yeah, and it's just with I, the possibility of winning eleven games, yeah. or, or or maybe beating USC and having a little bit maybe better mentality going into. The the bowl game against Pittsburgh. Well, if they'd beaten you, if they'd beaten Arizona and USC, then suddenly they're not playing Pittsburgh. In a there bowl you game. go. That's true too. But I mean, it gives you that ten game. Yeah. Whenever a team win wins ten games, you can't rationalize about it. It was a good season. It's just a straight up successful season. It's just no matter how bad, no matter how bad the the uh, schedule is, because. You won 10 of 12 games. You didn't, uh, even if that's expectation, you didn't drop one, which most teams, specifically UCLA teams, tend to trip up during the season one. So you didn't really trip up. Um, So, dang, that one game, that was huge. So I'm thinking this year at Tucson, last year when you watched that game, it just seemed like, Johnny Nansen had a UCLA head headset on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe he did. Maybe they didn't the change the codes. Arizona defensive coordinator who was UCLA's defensive line coach for two years. And they got some other guys there, too, who are, you know, ex-UCLA coaches. So this is going to be very interesting to watch how Chip Kelly schemes against them. But that's the biggest trip-up game to me. Um, I... The toughest game on that schedule, uh, to me, is Utah. Um, and I'm not just biased against uh, USC. I think USC's going to be good, but I think wow, they're they're kind of overhyped at this point. That when Al- when Alex Grinch puts a really good defense on the field, that will be the first time. Yeah, um, in a long time. I mean, maybe I think he had since Washington defenses. State. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, USC will be able to outscore everyone. They have that incredible offense. And I think for like the first six games, they don't play anyone at all. So they don't even need a defense. They don't even have to take the field. Um, but I like Utah better. When you look at Utah's roster, 
And Kyle Whittingham said his most talented team he's ever had. Now, of course, it's dependent on the health of their quarterback. And um, I've, you know, I we go way back with him, right? Because he played at uh, Newbury Park High School, and it's it's the one guy who I couldn't project because he had a noodle arm. Uh, he ran around a lot, created plays in high school, didn't look very athletic, and I didn't think he'd be able to do it in college. But damn, if he hasn't done it, it that he has done it. And But now they announce that he is not starting the opener against Florida, correct? Uh, correct. Yes. So I still believe he's going to be in good form by the time... What is it? The fourth game of the season, right? And that is late September. Yeah, I think he's going to be in good September. form. And I think uh, they will take the Pac-12 particularly seriously. Not that they won't take their non-conference seriously, but they'll have him ready for that Pac-12 season opener. So Utah. And then, Dave, what's going to be a tougher game? At Oregon State or across the street at the Coliseum? Yeah, so, and this is another, um, so I think, like, if you're talking about it on the merits, like, which team is more dangerous, it's USC, but uh, there's a soft factor to consider, which is uh, Chip Kelly has gotten up, I I don't know if you can say this about a coach, but he's gotten up for this USC game literally every season. Like, even going back to 2018, UCLA has always been at worst competitive in this game and if not like pretty clearly and obviously the better team just some things go the wrong way last year i mean very competitive whoever i mean they were driving to win right yeah um so i i think i i have no doubt that game will be at worst competitive oregon state on the road the thing is with oregon state is that they are probably right there with utah as the most solid on both sides of the ball like, you're actually getting a good defense, and you're dealing with a tough and really well-coached offense at and all times. And a great running attack. Great rushing attack. Damian Martinez is probably the most underrated player maybe in college football. Best returning tailback. Best returning tailback easily in the Pac-12. Yeah. So that combination uh, for UCLA, I mean, that's going to be a challenging environment. Also, Reezer Stadium's redone. Uh, it's now, you know, a full stadium again. Those Have fans you are ever be, been there too? There's a funkiness there. There's a super funkiness there. Um, yeah. And uh, that whole environment is super weird, even weirder than Eugene. Because you kind of feel you're almost playing a high school game, I think. Very much so. And, and they're and going that, to be yeah. rabid, rabid yeah. this season. Yeah. Absolutely insane because Oregon State's going to have to drop down to the G5 after this year. Yeah. And, and who would they blame for breaking up the Pac-12? Exactly. There's going to be some special motivation uh, for Oregon State to rub UCLA's face in it because they don't get to play USC this year. Do they still – does it still seat like – what is it, like 25,000? I think they raised it. I think it's like somewhere in the 40s. But really? But it's, it's not, it's not a huge stadium by any means. Yeah. Yeah. What is so, the capacity? Oh, that's, it's, tw- it's 26,407. <laughs> Did they add seats to it? Oh, wait, wait, no, 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 they added. So it's the new one is, that was the old one. The new one is 35,548. Okay, so they added 9,000 seats or so. Okay, so, yeah, I haven't been there in, like, 
I don't really remember it very well. I do remember it was a funky feeling. It's super there. funky. Yeah, um, I was so, there in 2010 or 11, whichever one they played there. So number one toughest game, Utah, Cameron Rising. Uh, I think he'll be back and ready to play. For me, it's Oregon State and then USC because of like what you said. It's the easiest. It's the least difficult um, of a road matchup. And then UCLA, USC, Chip Kelly kind of does one of those games. And it's I think it's one of those games that anyone can win. Yeah. Um, if they can steal one of those and don't trip up, like I was saying, there you go. There's your, wouldn't it be nice if UCLA is really competing for a Pac-12 championship deep into the season? Yeah. I mean, something akin to last year would feel, I mean, obviously we don't want it to end the same way. I mean, uh, a loss to Arizona in that environment was horrible, but, um, something akin to last year where, Started a house of fire and heading into November, it looked like UCLA was going to be contending until the you know final week. Ranked uh, like twelfth, fourteenth, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And and that's the big thing is avoiding that first trip up, avoiding the at Utah, and maybe they catch it where Cam Rising still not quite ready, um, and they're still playing a backup quarterback. They still have to play very ball control. That Utah defense is going to be nasty this year. Um, so that's where you hope UCLA's quarterback situation has found some stability by that point. Whoever ends up being the starter and, and dropped a little nugget this week. Um, I did. About the quarterback competition. Um, with, uh, you know, and this, this isn't actually too shocking based on what we observed with our eyeballs in spring. Uh, but Ethan Garber's potentially still uh, hanging on to that first string spot. Yeah, it's still slightly ahead from what we've heard in practice on uh, a true freshman Dante Moore. Uh, Dante Moore will clearly get snaps and series uh, against Coastal Carolina in the season opener next Saturday. Though, you know, they'll I'm, I know the UCLA coaching staff is really high on Dante Moore. They think he's got like that, that something special. But it's also plopping a true freshman down, you know, on the field uh, in college. Call it first college game. Y- you feel like you might want the security of, you know, a veteran like like Garbers. But then you you see you give Moore a chance and see if he's a gamer and if he, he can step up to the moment. Um, I think that's kind of that's kind of what I heard. Uh, so yeah, it will be interesting to watch um, because I would suspect both are going to get playing time. Yeah, and um, that's probably the best way to hash it out, and then use actual game reps to determine, you know, essentially who's going to be your conference starter once you get to <laughs> a hell of a conference opener in Utah. You know what I'm a little worried about though. Um, so. Uh, I used to watch, I used to have Sling. Do you have Sling? No, I don't have Sling. God, it's horrible. I had it at one time. The user interface, it's really horrible for us, Dave, because if we're trying to evaluate the slider, it it moves forward, but it doesn't show you where you are. Like if there's a commercial and you've taped it and you want to move forward, it doesn't, it will show you barely and then it will kind of stop and hesitate and then you'll end up a minute past the commercial. It's... The worst user interface, but it was like 55 bucks. So I broke down and I went to Fubo. Fubo's pretty 
pretty amazing. But Fubo's meant for like, this is your streaming alternative for everything. So it ain't cheap. Somehow, I don't know how, I, I, I found this little coupon that popped up and I got it cheap, so don't tell anyone. But I started, of course, when I bought my subscription for Fubo. The game that happened to be being played was the UCLA-USC game from last year. This is what has me a little scared that I don't know how we can measure this. Uh, we definitely, it's definitely something to consider. Dorian Thompson-Robinson extended drives. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my Lord. So often he did some things, not just with his feet, but uh, creating a little more space, looking, looking at a third receiver, finding someone for a first down, but then also with his feet. Uh, I don't know if they have that in either Garbers or Moore. No, and I, I, I would go so far as to say as they don't. And this is maybe why, and I'm kind of talking a little bit out of my butt here. Um, this is maybe why when I'm doing the calculation. It's cal- really clear, Dave, by yeah. the way. When I'm doing the calculation on Moore versus Garbers, when I think about Garbers, I think about steadiness. I think pretty accurate, not making mistakes, you know, that sort of stuff. When I think about more, I think there's a really good deep ball there. What, what I would be trying to consider is which one of these players has assets that could make up for the lack of what you had with Thompson Robinson last year. Who who among Garbers and more has things that Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't have? That's a good right? thing to go over. Let's do Garbers first. I don't know that there's much. I, think I, I, I know there's accurate. one thing. He's more accurate. When yeah. you watch him, when you watched uh, DTR over the course of years, he would complete passes, but a lot of times they were just slightly out of the window. Yeah. Right? A receiver had to reach. Garbers is automatic on some of those bread and butter. Yeah. And it's right, it's right in their hands. Perfect. So he's better at that. So I think he might be able to execute some of the plays down the field better. Which sure. might eliminate a few a few mistakes here and there. Yeah, I'll um, give him that. Um, yeah. With more, I think what I've noticed with him is the touch on everything deep and the accuracy on deep throws is unlike I think anything I've seen from a freshman quarterback. Um, and I'm not talking about the intermediate stuff because that's a point Josh of Josh Rosen. Even then, Josh Rosen's deep ball was good, but Moore's throwing it. I mean, there have been times, even just watching the 15 minutes of openness, where it's like, no, no, that's perfectly in stride every single time with a beautifully catchable ball. Josh Rosen's first game, though. Yeah, Utah. That, 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 was, that touchdown be, pass was it, was in the it, corner of the end Virginia, zone. Right. Virginia. That uh, was insane. That was insane. That was his best game as a Bruin. In it, was. it was. It yeah. <laughs> was. That was so <laughs> insane. Um, but more, I think... When I'm thinking about something that Dorian Thompson Robinson really didn't have ever was touch on a deep ball. Moore has that, and I think as a fit with this receiving core, it just it marries really well for doing something with the offense that could make up for. Because the thing is, with Dorian Thompson Robinson's legs, what you're improving is efficiency, right? You're improving your ability to extend drives, to make more first downs, to increase the offense's efficiency. With more, maybe you're not getting as much of that, but you have some big play potential with those with that ability to throw with touch downfield that I don't think Garbers provides, and also that I think makes up for the lack of something that Dorian didn't really have. 
So that's that's one of the considerations I would have in making that decision. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still think someone's going to have to create some things with their legs. Yeah, and I don't know. If, honestly, I don't know if it's either of those guys. Um, you know, I think I think they're both like fine enough athletes. I don't think either one is is blowing anybody away with their feet. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, um, that's, you that's, also heard yeah. something about the running back. Running back competition. Um, we were big on TJ Harden coming out of spring. He looked more explosive. Just looked altogether uh, like he'd made a big stride from last year when we already liked him. And actually looked out like he was out playing Carson Steele. Uh, from what I'm hearing uh, from from people who would know inside the program, uh, Steele's really impressed the coaching staff. Um, and not hard to believe. Not hard to believe. Uh, the weight room stuff, but also just um, what he comes in with from a statistical profile perspective uh, with his yards after contact. Um I, at this point, I don't think it's like a done-done deal that he's starting, but I would expect it to be a at at worst an even split between him and Harden for uh, first-string carries at running back. So wasn't he the – I think he was the number one returning running back who, yeah. who had the most yards after contact in the country. Pretty much. And UCLA was very, very good at yards before contact. So you, Do you, the math. You smash those two things together, and uh, yeah, it creates a, a beautiful little uh, 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 pie. I'm know. still, I'm still, you know, flashing on spring when we watch them both. Yeah, and I really like T.J. Harden, but but caveat, uh, there were no live drills, so yeah. you didn't get to see Carson Carson Seal break those tackles. You didn't get either. to see his best asset, and we said this at the time. Oh, we, you no, know, but you did a little. It was the balance that we noticed. That balance, because he's he's just as wide at his feet as he is at his shoulders, so he's just not getting knocked off his spot ever. Um, and he's so big, so strong. Um, and once you get into actual tackle drills where he can display that, I can imagine that being impressive. Um, so it brings up a good point about or a point or an issue about not going live we've talked about in in august camp we've talked about how healthy they are yeah and that's because they don't go live yeah but how can you judge who you're going to start at the tailback position if a big part of carson Steele's game is breaking tackles yep well and this is an interesting note too i mean we're just kind of going further and further they've had some indecision about tailbacks before heading into a season. It's so funny that I was going to bring it up. Because Zach, Char- Zach Charbonnet was was not starting. It was Britton Brown ahead of him uh, going into that season. And also Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly was our guy. Didn't start his first three or four games. Um, <laughs> we had watched him so much in practice. And we're all, he's the best running back on the team. And he didn't he didn't barely play the first three games. Yeah, and I think it, it maybe speaks to what you're saying, which is you can't really make a fair assessment about running backs until you see them trying to make it through a bunch of arm tackles, make it through a bunch of half tackles, make it through a bunch of almost full tackles. Um, you just can't really know. And, and like on defense too, you've got some guys and we've seen this quite often with UCLA. We've got some guys who, who look like they should play the part, big athletic, well-built. Yeah. And they can't athletic. tickle. They can't and tackle. then they pursue and then they just whiff. Yep. So, I mean, he really can't create that with a dummy. No. 
Or even one of those dummies that was trendy for a while. Now they're not. You know, they had a little motor that would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd like yeah. to see those. Why isn't Chip, Mr. Technology, getting us those? Yeah. Let's get some motorized dummies. Come on. Come on, Chip. But overall, hardened steel. Hardened should, steel. Should be, should be, you know, formidable. Hardened I think steel. So. That was a great saying. I, it must have come from Bruno Portal Line. Must have. Must have. Um, the, the hardened steel. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's obviously, you know, a lot of other stuff going on with this football team. Um, we'll hopefully get a little bit more um, as we get closer to game week and some of these position battles get a little bit more, I don't know, solidified. Um, more stuff will trickle out. Obviously, well, we're only getting... The thing is, I'm always, like, so I've we've heard some stuff, but here's the thing. We've gotten a little bit careful over the years, or I have at least. I think we both have. I'm careless with, as hell. Yeah, with with not necessarily sharing everything we hear, because sometimes it doesn't actually pass the smell test, and it's like, yeah, it's, that's that that doesn't seem right. Like that that like some guys outperforming expectations or looks really good, and then it turns out that we were right. Um, and so, you know, just we're, kinda, we're gun shy. We've we've also yeah. done some things that haven't happened, and then. People have these big lists out there that remember every last one. They don't remember all the great things we we predicted or knew. Yeah. Uh, they do. I lied. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like after watching spring, it's like, you know, you hear like, oh, this guy's looking really good. And he's like, and it's like, well, is he really? Because I watched him all spring. So is that true? Or is that just like a hope for thing from the position coach? Yeah, you know? that's interesting. You should bring that up because the big one of that that happened this August was uh, coach, the offensive line coach, Tim Drevno, we had heard, was talking up some of his guys. Yeah. Like Bru- Bruno Fina. Uh, who else was he talking up? Uh, Josh Carlin. Josh Carlin. Those two guys that they, you know, he expects them to be able to play. Yeah. So that's interesting. If, it is if, interesting. And I, I buy it. I buy it to an extent with Carlin because he did show improvement this spring. We talked about it last broadcast. Um. Fina, I'm really interested to see it because I, I I didn't see it as much this spring, but you know, physically he, he looks fantastic. He looks so good. He's gotten he looks in, like Superman. He's gotten into great shape. So ideally, that's totally right, and he ends up playing a significant role as like a third or fourth tackle. So you and I have been talking a little bit about, and you love this whether Chip Kelly kind of screws with the media or what I think. He doesn't even give it a second thought. Like I the think whole, he absolutely, or somebody on staff to is some absolutely extent, having a great time. The GoPro thing, yes. Absolutely. But today at practice, this we are, by the way, we're recording this on Thursday. Yeah, we're recording this back in time. Dave was at practice, and they they let him <laughs> they let him watch one more period. Whoopee, woohoo. And Dave, was there... It was a great. It was a real difference of a period. Uh, it was. It was like. It was like the most mundane individual drills they could possibly run. Like, we were literally watching the cornerbacks field tennis balls at one point. <laughs> so like, I, it was. Insane. But you think he's screwing with us? I don't think. I don't think that's as much okay. the screwing with us. Though that was just kind of a funny thing. The GoPros absolutely screwing with us. And like leading, first, yeah. first before they had ordered all five to have them on every quarterback's head, they had Chase Griffin doing it for the end of that week. Like that's just too funny. They should have put one on Chip. They that would have been good. Um, but 
this leads up to the fact that one of the things where I think he does screw, just not with the media, but screws with everyone, is when he releases his little depth chart. Oh, God. I can't wait till that comes out. That's coming Leatu, out. That should be coming out uh, Sunday, right? And Leatu Latu is not listed again. That'll be that'll be friggin' hilarious. He only lists two, Dave. <laughs> just two. <laughs> If, if that's what's going to happen, we got to look at let's let's think about the guys that won't get listed. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking. So in the strict depth chart, um, guys who will play a lot who probably won't be listed, like Femi. I think Femi Oladeja yeah. will not be listed on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, um, tight end. Uh, I, I mean, one of those guys like Maliki Madavio will not be listed. Probably. Well, think about the receiving group. Who won't be listed in that group because they can only list essentially six names? Yeah. So Braden Pegan, maybe not. Maybe not Logan Loya. Maybe not Titus Mokiao Atamalala. Yeah. Um, he's he's going to do that. And there's going to be like some weird surprise. Or, no, it'll too. be something stupid. It's going to be like Kyle Ford not listed. And then Kyle Ford ends up with the second most catches on the team. Yeah. And yeah, he just loves that kind of stuff. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, so all right, so that's yeah. that's football. Um, so we'll have more. Obviously, we're doing our season previews. We're going to start. I mean, it's game preview time next week, um, but we'll have a lot of stuff and and uh, hopefully a little bit more trickling out info that we feel confident enough in to share with you all over the next week. We're just waiting for our ring cameras to kick in. <laughs> exactly. Go pros. <laughs> we got yeah, the ring cameras. Get you the installed really- those this morning, right? Yeah, we're going. We're we're actually we're on the cutting edge of nanotechnology. Everyone, uh, we've invested a lot of bros' resources, many, many billions, right, Tracy? <laughs> Absolutely, many, with a B. Yeah, many billions invested in nanotechnology. Um, yes, some might use it to like heal people and and medical technology. No, we're developing nanocams to uh, follow the coaches around and, and hear info. Well, actually, they're little. They look like little flies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're going to, we're going to, I mean, full on nanotechnology where we're going to influence decisions. We're going to, you know, kind of mix with uh, brain chemicals. And, Have uh, you seen those drones that are, that look like flies? Yeah, they're crazy. God, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's football. Um, basketball is in Spain. Um, they've played now two exhibition games. The first against the Madrid All-Stars. The second against a Valencia team called... I wrote it in my they review. Wrote, they had two names for it, too. Well, it's La- Valencia Basketball was like the organization running it or something, and that was the name they gave us. But then when I looked at the box score, it was actually something called La Horta Godella. I guess it was the number two team? Yeah, their number two team in Valencia, Valencia Basket. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, UCLA beat them 85-66. They beat the previous team by eight. Is that it? Something like that. that. Doesn't really matter. Um, I would say my big takeaway just from the two games. uh, Well, first, let's start here. Don't have any big takeaways from these games, please, people out there, everyone. Uh, My my big takeaway is there should be no big takeaways. Exactly. They don't have a Daimara. They don't have a Dembona. They don't have Burke by Kunjil. That's three of their best players, not on the team. Probably their three, but it it would be like if last summer they won an exhibition uh, little trip. And they didn't play Jaime Hawkes, Tiger Campbell, and probably Jalen Clark. Yeah. And it's and those are like one's a point guard, it's a couple that we're talking about their three, like the entire front court rotation also being gone. Yeah. Like yeah. it's 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 not only the three best players, but they're not mixed around. It's like all of the front court guys. Right. Um 
So with that said, I would say my big takeaway so far is, um, wow, very good thing they got Lazar Stefanovic from Utah. Yes, um, and everyone wasn't, you know, wasn't talking about him. It sounds like he's providing leadership, but also scoring and is outperforming a lot of what his underlying statistics would have said, especially in terms of rebounding. Um, that first game, I think he had 13 boards. This game he had five, uh, but providing a little bit of that, I'm not going to say Jaime Hawkes, but providing a little bit of that, I'll be your go-to guy and I'll also provide some leadership on the back end, um, which has been good. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a leadership and experience on a very young team. So he is going, he's going to be key in all this. Uh, the other takeaway it is probably Sebastian Mack. We yeah. knew he'd been practicing really well and looking really good in, in the practices. Um, he's done very well in two games. He, he was a volume shooter today. What did he shoot? It was something ridiculous. He and shot then, 20 shots and he made six of them. Uh, and he missed all seven three-pointers. All seven three-pointers. But you know what I love? Take it, baby. That he took them. Take them. Keep shooting, baby. Keep shooting. Because uh, the thing is, one other guy... Will McClendon is not still shooting. Uh, he played 15 minutes, only shot the ball three times. So, Dave? I don't think we, he's going to play. Are we off of that little perch? <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to play 20 backup minutes okay. at the point, but maybe 18. <laughs> uh, actually, it looks like Jan Vide started. At yeah, I wonder. Point. So, we've seen this with Mick before, uh, where maybe he gets a little bit frustrated in certain situations, because there were a couple of interesting ones. Uh Jan started, and well, actually, they only list, and Alan started. Um, uh, Fible. So, I don't know. I don't know uh, how much we take from that. But I, I think he's probably, uh, you know, he wants to see who's going to be able to take care of the ball, right? Yeah. Jan, Jan Vide had one turnover, and that was in 22 minutes. Dylan Andrews had only two in, in 25 and a half. Minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, good production out of, out of both of them. Uh, you plug in your best player, which is a Dembona, and he's a, he's a, he's a difference maker mm-hmm. by far. And then two probable first-round draft picks, mm-hmm. one who's probably a lottery pick. Dang. That, and then you throw in Lazar Stefanovic, who's, who's playing so well. Um, Sebastian Mack, who's better than everyone thought he would be, Dylan Andrews, Jan Vidi. Uh, there's a makings of a really of a pretty good team here. A very very we knew this, but it's now manifesting, right? Yeah, it's 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 happening. So really kind of fun, and it was kind of fun to see um, uh, Adai Mara in the background of one of those of of one of the players' Instagrams. Oh yeah, from the first game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's it, he's uh kind of looming in the background of I think it was a dem was walking in front of him, but like even from the background you can see a Daimara's just height. <laughs> it made Lavar Stefanovic who's six six, six seven, made him look like a baby. Like like a little kid. Yeah. Um Yeah, and then they take all their team pictures, which look like at the same place, like they're all lined up and Daimara <laughs> isn't in the picture. <laughs> Playing little games, aren't we, Mick Cronin? Oh, Mickey. Oh, Mickey. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 
I don't have many takeaways. At the same time, I do think it's worth just paying attention to how they're shooting from three. Um, if you have, because this is something that coheres with uh, uh, maybe a, an overarching concern heading into the season, which is how is this team going to produce from the perimeter? Um, because among these freshmen, no one's really a, a knockdown or known as a knockdown three point shooter. Um, Stevanovic is coming in with uh, probably a lot on his shoulders uh, from that perspective um, that, you know, maybe or maybe not he's going to be able to be a 40% shooter from three. Well, um, was he 36 last year? Yeah. Um, so I don't – that's the one where I would say, okay, this is this is actual data that we can start to – okay, maybe that is a real concern. Um, because you can't just, you also just can't have it be one guy. So, you know, as it stands, um, we'll have to see. I mean, Sebastian Mack missed all seven in this game. You know, maybe he's streaky. Maybe, you know, we'll have to see. But that's probably the concern, um, is how's this team going to shoot from three? That's about it that I would take from this stuff. And then, I mean, we've talked a lot about Adaimara, but Burke buying Tunchel is... He's really good. Yeah. It's going to be really fun to plug him into this. Um, I am going to do a story. I was going to do a story before they went to Spain. So now I'm cheating because I know what happened in Spain. Just kind of projecting starting lineups. And we already, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. But you got to think it's uh, Burke starting. Oh, yeah. He's just too talented. Um so, I'm starting to lean more towards Lazar being the backup four, though. I know I speculated like that might be the thing that happens in like May, but his rebounding in, in Spain has kind of assuaged one of my concerns. Uh, you know what would be really interesting is what happens with Devin Williams. Yep. Because I've been that's impressed a with him so far. Who might, if you're talking about a pure post, if he's in the five, he just doesn't have enough muscle to be able to do that, uh, enough bulk. But maybe playing some four because he can shoot and he's shown in practice he can shoot and he's and he's done it in in Spain and six rebounds in thirteen minutes. So in this game. and and he's quick enough and long enough to be able to guard college fours. So that'll be interesting to see who who gets time at the backup four. Yep. I could see Stefanovic though, and then you know he just slides over from the three. Exactly. Or they do the lineup we've all been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, Mara and Bona. Yeah. The other one I'm looking forward to is is Burke at the five. That'll be interesting. Um, their, their small lineup has a lot of potential. Um, yeah. It's just, are you ever going to want to have one of Bona or Mara off the floor? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the calculation Mick's going to have to make, but um, because they could do some real damage with their small lineup. Yeah. So very exciting times. Um, it's going to be really fun, too, because when they get this full lineup, do you think UCLA will be, I, I mean, they'll be signed, they'll be in school and obviously on the team. When the preseason rankings come out, do you think this will get UCLA ranked? I don't know. It seems like oh, I know you don't know. Well, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think we're. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people. Um, not to sound like a you know one of those 
people, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Bruins. Um, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think it's actually would be very good if they do not have a ranking to lose in the early going, because I think the early going could be kind of rough. Um, this team's got a lot of talent, but they don't have a ton of experience. And I think um, the Maui Invitational, which will lead into maybe some other stuff we'll talk about. Uh, I think that tournament is going to be eye opening for a lot of these kids on the team in terms of what what real college competition is going to look like. Um, so I think that'll be a wake-up call, and I think that even if they are ranked in, say, the you know 20 to 25 range, I think that will quickly disabuse the voters of that notion, at least at that early juncture of the season. But couldn't you – I mean, I love the seasons. I don't necessarily like the season when either – like UCLA is ranked high, like one or two to start the season, because then you think, oh, you know what, they're going to trip up and they're going to fall. I like it when they're uh, people are sleeping on them and they slowly creep up and you look and they're they lost three of their first six games and then you look up and they're oh wow they're twenty and six right <laughs> love that and they've been sneaking up and they end up like number nine you know in in February uh, yep. that's the kind of stuff I like if we're also talking about ratings and rankings. I know y'all are just on the very edge of your seat waiting for UCLA's recruiting class to get completely rated and ranked. I have been talking in, um, uh, I've been negotiating, no, not negotiating. Uh, Actually, the 24-7 guys have been great. I have spoken to them, and they are going to rate and rank uh, Berke and a Daimara, and I believe there will be a re-ranking of Jan Vide also. Ooh. So UCLA could have a shot like top three recruiting class in the country. Okay. Exciting stuff. That is exciting stuff. Um, Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so um, some housekeeping stuff. Uh, Maui, obviously... Um, if you can uh, donate money, uh, UCLA football is doing a very cool thing, uh, which you should get on board with if you don't have tickets, or even if you do, frankly. But if you don't, um, to the first couple of games of the season, if you donate money to any of the Salvation Army, Hawaii, and Pacific Islands Division, American Red Cross, in support of Hawaii Wildfires Relief, Hawaii Community Foundation's Maui Strong Fund, the Maui Food Bank, or Chef Huey. All the details are on Bro on the front page. Uh, you can uh, get two free tickets to either or both of the first two games of the season. Or, sorry, the first two home games of the season, Coastal Carolina and North Carolina Central. So that's very cool. Um, but, you know, if you can do that. And then... As for the Maui Invitational itself... Um, we heard some more little insider information. Yeah. At least it, nothing's done. It's fluid. Um, but the feeling right now is they're going to keep it in Hawaii. Not necessarily in Maui. In fact, not on Maui. Uh, on one of the other islands. That's where it is now, even though it'd be very easy just to hop for Las Vegas. Uh, I think they're trying to make that happen. Um, just from the benefits of, you know, hotels, restaurants, all benefiting from from all the tourist dollars. But uh, 
I still think that it's just my opinion, not based on what I've heard. I still think it's going to end up a, kind of a logistical issue when they can just snap their fingers and put it in Vegas. So, but right now we're hearing that's what we're hearing on another Hawaiian Island. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you know, you might be thinking, well, what do I do about my flight? You know, all the airlines will will not charge you a change fee, I would think. And I think all the hotels will let you out. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good news. Um, and then uh, we wanted to talk a little bit of uh, 2024 recruiting. There will be a story posting later today, meaning today, Friday, which is when you're listening to this because I'm not publishing it until the morning. Uh, from Tracy uh, breaking down some 2024 recruiting for uh, UCLA. Yeah, there's 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 <laughs> there's really not much to talk about. I mean, that's what that story is about. I wrote that story, and I and I even I even said this in the story. I wrote the story because there's so many people in the forum saying after we've I've said it, but I understand. You know, some people don't read every last word, and they say, "So what's going on with UCLA 2024 basketball recruiting?" I wrote this so that I'd have just a story to link when, <laughs> when that question is asked. Um, and the answer basically really not much. Um, when it comes down to it, um, they got their one commitment in Eric Freeney, a guard from Corona Centennial. Uh, they've only offered one other 2024 high school player. One other. That's it. Uh, a post player is originally from Senegal, uh, Makan Diouf plays at Scottsdale Bella Vista. Uh, read the story when it comes out. We're, we won't get into details here, but UCLA w will need two bigs. Um, it will lose a Demboya. It will lose Ken Nauba. Uh, and more than likely there's, well, I mean, there's a very good chance it loses a Daimora. Uh, Devin Williams could be the one... <laughs> the one post left standing on the roster. In that case, they need to find two, preferably one plug and play and prefer actually preferably two of them who could come in and immediately play. And what does that mean to you, Dave? Transfer portal. Woo baby. Um, transfer portal really uh, has a lot of advantages in this, in this cycle. They'll know more. They'll have a better grasp where Daimara is in terms of his status for the draft. Um, but they're going to get, they'll go after one ready to play post and probably two, maybe one ready to play post and then a developmental. Um, if they do that, they'll have one more scholarship to give. That's why they're not recruiting anyone else really in the 2024 class. If you have one, and you think it might go to a wing, as we've always said, wings are a dime a dozen. And they could probably pick up an impact wing through the transfer portal or internationally. This is all they could get a big internationally too. There is one guy they're showing interest in, a high schooler named Brody Kozlowski. He's from uh, uh, Utah. They have not offered him. He just came out with a top six. UCLA was in the six. He said UCLA was his dream school when he was growing up. I really like him. 6'6 six, six to 6'7. Six, Similar to Jaime Jaquez, kind of that tough uh, inside outside guy. A better shooter, though. Um, deceptive athleticism. Doesn't look like he'd be athletic, but has kind of a good first step. Um, 
uh, he's going to take his visits. He's been had an unofficial visit to UCLA. Again, UCLA has not offered him. Rod Palmer, UCLA assistant, has been recruiting him. Could be the situation kind of like with Sebastian Mack. Sebastian Mack wasn't offered until I, I think at least November, maybe later, because he started his senior season and was going off, so they offered him. Uh, that kind of seems like it turned out well. We'll see. Uh, you got to make that decision either thinking that he's so good you don't mind giving him your potentially lost scholarship or you're going to get another one. Somehow there's a transfer or something. Or you just think you could probably get more talent and more immediate impact talent from the transfer portal or internationally. That's about it. And it's not the case in that 2024 is an indication that UCLA has pivoted away from high schoolers because they are definitely on the 2025 class. They, they've offered 14 guys in that class and they're doing well with them. So this is just a little bit of a respite from high school recruiting, mostly because they brought in so many freshmen with the 2023 class. And you want to get maybe some transfers who have some experience to go along with all those youngsters. So that's where they are. Now you should feel very satisfied that you know about 2024 basketball recruiting. Look at that. Dang. Look that was good. at that. That was a lot of talk for really not a lot of information. No, but it was beautiful. It was okay. beautiful. I think you got across exactly what needed to be gotten across to Thank all of you. these all of these hungry, hungry hippos out here. I mean, that's what we do. That's what they're there for. That's what they that's what we're there for. They come and say, Hey, what's going on with twenty twenty four? And we tell them what's going on. And we should tell them. So now it would be rude not to. It would be rude. We yeah. would be uh, remiss. Yes. We would be failing to do our jobs. Okay. And now our job, Dave, is to say goodbye. It's to say goodnight to you listening to this in the morning. You suddenly, you almost got a little bit of a British accent there, and then you pulled back. Yeah, I did. I yeah. did. I, I, liked I, it though. I dropped further back. Okay, um, people, we love you. We love you. All right. For Tracy Pearson, That's me. I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. See you all.